spring has sprung as we begin the Wednesday morning edition of First Up here on TSN 1050. A high of 13 degrees today in southern Ontario. There are some extraordinarily high winds, like 80-kilometer gusts, but who cares about that? The weather's nice. It's heating up. I've thrown my jackets in the garbage, sweatpants. Don't eat them anymore. Shorts and T-shirts only, my friends. From here on out, okay, probably also not not good advice. Not accurate at all either, but we try to be a little bit optimistic as we begin today's program. We've got some good stuff coming your way. The most popular man in all of hockey media joins me here on the program, as he always does. Carlo Koliakovo, who stirred it up yesterday with that news bomb at 9.49 here on the show. What's going on, man? Has your phone been blowing up nonstop with the Patrick Kane to Toronto rumors? Well, I had it on silent yesterday. I had a do not disturb (laughs) for uh, certain reasons, as it was a special Valentine's Day um, edition for me. But... uh, I really appreciate the honor you just gave me. The most what popular guy in hockey is that what you said to me? I think ho- hockey media. You know, hockey let's not media. go crazy here. But oh. hockey media. I think yesterday, there's no doubt you were. I mean, the topic of Patrick Kane and the Maple Leafs was not something that was really a, a big one at all until yesterday. And not only again, many people really thought it was a possibility for a number of reasons, and maybe it's still not. But the fact that you brought up the idea that Kane. Wanted to go to the Rangers, and if not the Rangers, then the Maple Leafs would be his alternative choice. I think that stirred up a lot of intrigue in this market, and I think around the entire National Hockey League. So, well done, sir. Well done. Look, I wasn't trying to stir stuff up. I was just sharing, you know, the piece of information that uh, that uh, I was told. And I-, I was told this before the Rangers made the deal for Tarasenko so have things changed on on the on the Kane part I don't know uh it's it's hard to say you know unless you hear it from him but I can pretty much confirm I before Tarasenko was traded to the Rangers that Kane had a list of of teams that he would he had a, a preferred destination to go to if if he decides to be traded. That's a big if that the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers were two of his preferred destinations. And that that doesn't mean something's going to happen. It doesn't mean that um, now that the Rangers are out, that the only team he would consider is the, is the Maple Leafs. I mean. Clearly, you heard it from his own mouth when he was asked to comment on the Rangers' trade to Tarasenko and how much that disappointed him a little bit. And yeah, do things change from here on end? I guess we'll find out the next week. We, we heard a lot of the TSN insiders uh, give an update on the situation about him and his agent, Pat Brisson, um, coming up with a decision between him and Jonathan Taze within the next week. They're in Toronto tonight. Well, so... that, and that and that's the that's the leading story, man. Right there, they are in Toronto tonight, and that's right. why this is so perfect today. And Kane and and Taves and the entire Blackhawks team, at least they were on paper in Montreal last night. Complete no show. Get shut out by the Montreal Canadiens for nothing. And 
I think what's what's so interesting about this situation is like everyone's like, oh, Ka- Patrick Kane's hip is like just busted up, like not the same player anymore. The guy's playing twenty plus minutes every single night. I mean, mm. if his hip was in such disrepair, they're not throwing him out for twenty one minutes a night. Like he played twenty one minutes last night, played twenty two minutes the night before. Physically, maybe he's not one hundred percent, but I mean, he's good enough to play twenty one minutes in the National Hockey League. Maybe he's just lost a step. It happens. I mean, guy's been in the league for 15-plus years, and he's only, what, 33 years old, so it's not like he's ancient. But mm-hmm. I think this is a really fascinating situation. We'll delve deep into it throughout the course of the morning, not only from Patrick Kane's point of view, but from the Toronto Maple Leafs' point of view as well. And the idea of trying to figure out a way to incorporate that cap hit into your salary cap structure and if he is the right fit at all. I think there's a lot of ways to look at this whole situation unfortunately for you and i we've got four hours to delve deep into it without we'll at 745 but we got to give some love to Jakob purdle after that <laughs> shaquille o'neal hakeem olajuwon-esque performance last night where he scored 30 points 30 points nine mm. boards on 15 of 17 shooting six blocks excuse me Excuse me, what a performance from him. The Raptors beat the Magic. I mean, he was doing something. Like, there's stats where I have one here. He's the first NBA player to have 30 points and six blocks on 85% shooting since Shaquille O'Neal in 2004. What? Wow. <laughs> there's some wow. crazy stats associated with Perto's performance last night. He didn't miss. Like, it, it, was, mm. it was special to watch. Uh, it was his night. And what a showing. Uh, they, they were loving him down at Scotiabank Arena, and rightfully so. That was a, a magnificent performance from Jakob Pertle. And, I mean, you know, I don't know what you can really draw from it beyond hell of a, hell of a night, hell of a show, but uh, it was a lot of fun to watch for at least one night. Well, look, I, I think what you saw last night is the impact a big man can have in this lineup, right? Where, you know, he exposed a weakness in, in Orlando's defense. And the Raptors were able to take advantage of it uh, because they had somebody capable of taking over that position and giving them an advantage in the game. And not just that, opening up shots for the other guys. I mean, you just you look at the stat line, too. Um, what did they shoot over or, or above the three-point line? Was it over 30% beyond, beyond the arc? Uh, they were okay from three. I don't think it was a great night from three. But they didn't, they didn't need to shoot any threes because Jacoperto was 15 for 17 for right. four. I mean, who cares about threes when you don't, when you don't right. miss any other shots? Yeah, they, they, were thir- they were 33% from, from the three-point arc. Yeah, so, so that's, that's obviously below average. So, yeah, it's not ideal. But, you know, whatever. You don't make all the threes. So that's, No, that, that, you that, don't. That's, that's part, but that's part again, of the course for the Raps. It, well, he puts up 30, allows Siakam to play his game a little bit. He puts up 26. Barnes has a has a pretty good night, seventeen points, and they were able to spread out the offense a little bit because you know when you go into Pirtle, either he's going to make the play himself, which he did many many times last night, or you know as as I was watching through the second and third quarter, the offensive schemes that Nurse was drawing up was inside outside slash, and you know that's where a lot of their offense came from and. Credit to them. They made some good adjustments in the second half, even though they were trailing. I think they shot a, a league a league high 70% from the field in the first half, which is crazy, considering this is a team that has struggled mightily on offense for the, for the majority of the season. So, 
Look, how, how much do we take away from that game? It's a win. That's what you take away from it. It's a win, and it's a big performance from a guy that you just acquired. You think Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster are watching that game and are like, oh, crap, relax, Yaka. We've got to give you a free agent contract, buddy. We probably have something <laughs> in the drawer already. And now there's other no. teams around the NBA. Oh, this guy is putting up numbers not seen since 2004. Oh, okay, yeah. let's add another couple zeros to that contract. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think that's the case either, but it's, uh, it's an indisputable fact. He had mm-hmm. one of the great games, perhaps the best game of the season for any Toronto Raptor. It was so much fun to watch that, and... It was one of those things where you're watching and, and you're zoning in on Yaka Pearl. Like, all right, come on, get the ball to Pearl. I want to see what he's going to do. How many points can this guy get? It was, it was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, congratulations to him because, you know, his first couple games, the impact that he made, the Raptors now 2-1 and one in the Pirtle era, I guess Pirtle 2.0 era. And he, he's making a significant impact defensively. But I don't think anybody on earth not even Pirtle's parents himself, them, themselves would have seen something like that from him last night. So that was a lot of fun, and um, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it, how it continues to materialize for the Toronto Raptors because uh, if they're playing like that and they're getting contributions from Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, who also missed last night's game, I think you could be seeing some uh, some real yeah, positive returns. That's from that's the, the other you know positive in this game is they they got a victory without those two guys in the lineup and. It, it'll be interesting to see how you know when Pirtle gets his you know um, feet wet in this lineup, which has been three games right now. What the rest of this lineup's going to look like? Because you know, obviously, there's been a lot of criticism taken and given to this Raptors management team of, with the construction of this of, of this lineup, and you know the the approach at the de- the deadline where you were buyers instead of sellers with the with the Pirtle acquisition and for years they've been talking about since the championship about filling that void at center now they got their guy a familiar guy if this is something that we can get used to seeing production wise from that position what do, what do we make of this team they're only th- four games back of the sixth spot Oh, right. four games so, back. They beat Orlando. Let's not go crazy here. They had a good night, no, but yes. I'm not <laughs> crowning them as champions. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, right? it's true. They, they, this was the easy easy spot of their schedule. They've been playing junk teams. Utah, Detroit, Orlando. They're all terrible. So they should be beating these teams. Should Jakob Pertl be going 15 from 17 from the field? Oh, that's probably never going to happen again. But mm. it was great to see. I think the Raptors are done now until after the All-Star break. So... Uh, that's a hell of a way to go out. I'm sure Jakob Pertl and Pascal Siakam are going on vacationing together. Besties. Uh, very cute stuff from those two. And a uh, hell of a way to conclude the pre-All-Star break schedule uh, for the Toronto Raptors. We've got some big Leafs news from yesterday coming out from practice. Some players return to the lineup. Some players exit the lineup. We'll break it all down. It's the Leafs and the Blackhawks this evening. Plus... Our man Cheese has cultivated a brand new segment. We'll, de- 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 we'll debut it for you. Woo! Struggles at 611. We'll debut it for you in about 20 minutes' time. The Wednesday morning edition of First Up on this beautiful, beautiful day, at least temperature wise, continues after this. Back on First Up, Koronik Koliakovo, the morning after Valentine's Day. And let me tell you, Coco, in my apartment last night, it was a rated R affair. No, just kidding. Literally. On TV? I watched the the Ottawa Senators (laughs) play the New York Islanders and, of course, the Raptors and the Magic. Kevin Mendelezzi put on a clinic for the Sens in goal. 46 saves. 
Man, nice. he really robbed the hearts of the New York Islanders <laughs> and those who wagered on him. But I like fill me in. What was going on? You and your lovely wife Gina? Any excitement there? Did you guys go for dinner? Roses? You know, chocolates? What was what was going on? Yeah, shout out to uh, my folks here at the Longos. Uh, they put together a nice little <laughs> flower decoration for me. Bouquet? No, it was not a bouquet. It was um, a heart-shaped, um, oh, God, what's the name of the flowers? Anyways, it was it was a heart-shaped um, uh, arrangement. arrangement, and then I had two roses in the middle of the heart. So it was uh, very, very nice and creative by them, and she loved it. And honestly, we, we didn't really, like, make any plans. We... We actually had a nice little uh, dinner at home. Uh, it was taco night, which is a night that I always uh, enjoy. Taco Tuesday? It no was. way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that's it. And the kids Did had you, a great, we, were the, were the, great the, time. The kids were hanging out with you guys too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, was a really, really proud moment was it was the first time I've been away from my family, you know, for a good day stretch, right? I mean, it was almost a week I was gone. And it's easier nowadays to be away from your family because of FaceTime and different, you know, technology ways to still interact. But picking my kids up from school yesterday and watching them run to me and share the excitement of, Daddy, you're home. I missed you so much. <laughs> it was a really, really cool dad moment for me. So, <laughs> Daddy, you're trending on Twitter. What did you say about <laughs> Patrick Kane? <laughs> it's like, how do you guys know that? Go learn. That, that, that's Go awesome. learn. I guess, Go I guess, because you, you wouldn't have seen them in the morning before they left. No. For school yesterday because no. you got home late on Sunday night. So oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, oh, that's good stuff. That's good. Yeah, stuff. No, it was great. Yeah. It was great. And, you know, like I said, I mean, we exchanged chocolates. I had her a nice arrangement for flowers and that's it. That's why they call it one of the most overrated days that we celebrate. Right. I mean, when you're married, what's what does Valentine's well, yeah. Day represent? I mean, at the end of the day, like. If I want to do something nice for my wife, which I really enjoy doing, I do it on a regular basis. I don't do it just on a day that they say you have to because it they jack up all the prices for flowers and chocolates on that day because they know that that's what people do on that day. Did you like you would not you would not believe the lineup for flowers and and like cards, like Valentine's Day cards, and just flowers. Like, I don't want to share what I paid for my arrangement because it doesn't matter. I was happy to do it, but it's like, jeez, I can't believe I paid that for that. <laughs> like, it's crazy. So apparently, apparently in Arizona last week, because you know we both had a bunch of friends, colleagues that were down there. Every bar in like the Scottsdale area essentially doubled the prices of drinks, oh, like Bud yeah. Lights. Were twenty dollars US. Jeez, each. So one of our, we yeah, one of our buddies at covers. And I don't need to say his name. Apparently, orders a round of drinks for like ten people. He's like, I think maybe it was like a tequila shot or something. Oh we're at some bar, and the bill came out to like four hundred twenty US before the tip. <laughs> and he's like, uh, what? Like, what is this? What? This is what this costs? And he's like, 
Uh, okay, so you talk about price gouging. I think wow. last week in Arizona during the Super Bowl may have been uh, <laughs> wow. uh, the number one instance of that. Yeah, it was tough. That, that's, that's a tough that's one. That's tough, man. You know, it's uh, so yeah. That's it is what it is. You live and you learn. But um, yeah, I think the same thing applies for roses and flowers as it does as Super Bowl weekend down uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. I mentioned before the break some news in Leafland yesterday. So it looks like Austin Matthews will make his return tonight, which mm. is. Of course, great news, and three weeks to the day that he suffered that knee injury against the New York Rangers, I believe. And it looks as if Austin Matthews will play with, where do I have the lines here? He'll play with uh, Bunting and Nylander tonight. And if you recall when, before he left the lineup, before he got injured, he was playing with Mitch Marner. That was like the big reuniting, and that was the big storyline. But Sheldon keep going back to what has been the traditional lineup all season long. Also noteworthy, Callie Yarncroke moves to the third line. Alex Kerfoot on the second line with Tavares and Marner. But perhaps most notably, Coco, Justin Hall, a healthy scratch. Mm-hmm. And he had a tough night on Saturday against Columbus. He was terrible. And he admits that everyone, everyone, if you watch the game, he was a big factor on, I think, three, at least three of those four Columbus goals. Connor Timmons slides in. And there are some speculating, Coco, this is kind of a trial run here. Are they going to be looking at... Connor Timmons as a as a fixture in the lineup. Maybe this could be uh, um, kind of an, a premonition to a trade or, or a precursor, I should say, to a trade. And the same with the Kerfoot moving up in the lineup. Can we draw anything from these lineup changes, or is this just something that Sheldon keeps looking to shake it up after a, a tough game against Columbus? No, I think this is a Sheldon Keith just holding players accountable because they have healthy bodies right now that are waiting to get in the lineup and. Um, clearly there's a standard that has been set with him and this group that you need to play up to your level or somebody else is going to come in and take your spot. And for Connor Timmins, you know, he got a nice little contract extension uh, before the weekend started. So clearly this is a team that's committing to him beyond this season. And for Justin Hall, look, I mean... It's it's sort of the the natural pattern that you go through as a defenseman where you're not going to play 82 perfect games. You're going to have your your bad game every once in a while, but when one stands out as bad as it did on the weekend, you know, you, the coach taps you on the shoulder and says, "Look, man, uh, we got a guy that's itching to come in. You're a guy that that didn't play really well last game. You're going to be sitting this one out." And Again, this is the luxury that the Maple Leafs have afforded themselves with where they stand in the standings, who they know they're going to play in the playoffs, and 20-plus games still left to play where you're just going to shuffle guys in and out and decide who wants it more and who's going to be the better fit because not only did Justin Hall come out of the lineup, we saw a shuffle on uh, with, with the deep pairings. Brody goes back with Morgan Riley. Timothy Lilligren reunites with Giordano. And Sandine and Timmons fill out the bottom pair. Look, Jordy Ben's still looking to get in the lineup too, right? So they have eight defensemen right now, which is a number that you have to feel comfortable with approaching the playoffs. And I don't think this is the end of Justin Hall. This is just more of a reset for him. And Justin Hall, he's played a very significant role on this team all year long. He's been playing 20-plus minutes, penalty killing, mm-hmm. block shots, hits. I mean, the guy's been a major factor on this team. And there's a lot of people who still hate Justin Hall if you're a Leafs fan. And I, I think it's just kind of <laughs> misguided, frankly. 
He's a he's a good, competent NHL defenseman. That's right. what he's not a superstar. No. He's not going to win a Norris Trophy anytime soon. But as far as what you're getting for this, the cap hit and the role he plays, he's he's fine. And I think if the Leafs could upgrade on Justin Hall, they would look to explore that. But I mean, you, you look at some of the prices that are being bandied about for Vladislav Gavrikov. I don't know if you're watching Insider Trading I yesterday. Did. A first, a third, and a fourth for a rental of Gavrikov. Excuse yeah. me. Good I like luck. Gavrikov. He's fine. But, I mean, if I'm Edmonton or whoever, like, looking to trade for a D-man, these prices are exorbitant right now. Talk about price gouging on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Columbus is like, yeah, who wants yeah. Gavrikov for three picks? And yeah. probably nobody raises their hand. So that'll be interesting to see if well, somebody, somebody bites on that one. But when I heard that price, I was like, come on. Well, look, you you got to credit Columbus for setting a high price because they know the market for defensemen is very limited, right? I mean, besides names like Gavrikov, Carlson, Chikorin, what other names are people floating out there? Maybe John Klingberg, who's had a right? terrible year, but it wasn't and, long ago. He was, he was really highly regarded, but yeah, you're right. So, you know, they're basically saying if you're that desperate to – get out ahead of the market, this is the price that it's going to cost you to acquire our player. And I don't necessarily think they're going to get that. No. Because, you know, if you're going to pay that price, you probably want somebody with more of a bigger profile than, than Gavrikov. Well, if, if you're going to pay that price, Coco, I mean, go trade for Chikrin. I mean, if you're going to give up a first, third, and fourth, like Chikrin would cost you more than that, perhaps a lot more than that. But you also get him for two more years. He's also right. better. Right. And he's 24 years old. I mean... Let's say Chikrin costs you maybe two firsts and a third. Like, was it Zach had done for Chikrin? Maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, I'd much rather give up that for Chikrin as opposed to a first, third, and fourth for Gavrikov. And let's yeah. be honest here. I mean, the this is all fleeting. I mean, there's two and a half weeks to the trade deadline. The prices will come down. Like, they're not getting that for Gavrikov. There's just no way. They could ask for whatever they want. And and I think the same probably applies to guys like O'Reilly and Timo Meyer. Mm-hmm. Like the prices are really high right now because these teams are like, all right, we and Jacob Chikrin, we have this opportunity here. All right, yeah, we'll ask for as much as we can because the deadline is still sixteen, seventeen days away. And mm-hmm. if no one gives we what we want, give us gives us what we want, we'll we'll bring the price down. That's just how uh, exactly you know, the economy works. But, so, but here's the thing that is very curious about that Gavrikov situation, that if that's the price and they're willing to wait it out until they get it, why are they pulling him out of the lineup? You're, you're, you mean to tell me that you're going to sit a guy for three weeks while you wait to trade him? Well, how does that improve point. his value? You know what I mean? Like, what team is going to want to trade for a guy that hasn't played in three weeks? It, it, it's an interesting question, and I also think I mean, you can look at it both ways. Number one, him not playing... Yeah, sure, he's going to come it's back. Asset as, as play. It, it's also asset management. If he gets hurt, they're not getting anything for him. So, right. and, and it doesn't sound like they're particularly close to trading him either based on all the reporting done. But so. you have to understand, there's also teams that may not have looked at Gavrikov as an option that probably maybe if, if their first option has like not become available, now you want to send your scouts out to watch this guy play and – you can't watch him play now. So it's like, what do you do? Do you, do you, it's true. Do, do you go and, and do video on the guy? Well, I think a lot of scouts, at least that I talk to, like to see the present of the player of that, they're, that, they're, that they're trying to get a pre-scout on, right? So, look, to me, 
and, and it, it, this is what sort of creates the hype around the trade deadline where I can understand a week out you're you're protecting your assets but three weeks out like you either have a trade in place or you're letting these guys play because they need to stay in in game shape they need to feel comfortable about themselves too and ultimately if, if they're competitors they want to play what what guy wants to be told if he's a competitor no you're not playing tonight for three weeks until we no, trade and, you. And if there is somebody like that, then you probably you don't, don't want, want them on your, team, <laughs> on your right. team heading into the playoffs. So we'll, we'll continue this with Dave Poulin. He'll join us at 745. Again, it's the Leafs and the Blackhawks tonight, where Patrick Kane will be like, hey, you hear what Carlo Koliakovo said about you on first up? He's like, yeah, I did. I'm going to have a chat with Carlo, breaking that news. Happy to chat with him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it's, 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 it's something that should create a stir in the market i mean you don't know why patrick kane wanting to play in toronto would create a stir in the market you don't know this market my friend it's a no 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 no, no, no. i'm not saying i'm not saying this market i'm saying in the trade market because ultimately if the guy's gonna get traded he's gonna pick and choose where he wants to go and yeah he's got the full no no move he decides and and, and so if one team and he commented on that team that he wanted to go to with the rangers already acquired a player that would probably be a position he would fill, well, what's the next best option? The next best option would be the other team that was he had as a desired option, but do the Maple Leafs feel the same way about him? That's a great That's question. The question. We'll answer that at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. Make sure to stay tuned for that, and stay tuned for a, the debut of a brand-new segment on the other side. It's called Control Freak with Cheese. Oh That's boy. next on First Stop. So our man Cheese has done a fantastic job of creating some new segments, great guests on this program during his tenure as the producer of First Up. And this morning is no exception. Welcome back to the show, Korolnik and Koliakovo with you. This, this next segment is called Control Freak, where, Coco, you and I are going to take control of a team, a player, and make the decisions for them. Might be a hockey team like the Leafs or the Bruins. Or maybe a player like Derek Carr, formerly of the Las Vegas Raiders. Chrissy, let's get it going. Come on. Can't touch this, baby. This is Control Freak. Cheese, lay it out for us. What's going on? All right, boys, you uh, you did sum it up perfectly, AK. I'm going to get put you guys in the driver's seat, and you guys are the ones who will be making the decisions. Let's start with Carlo. Carlo, okay. you, you have been given control of the Toronto Maple Leafs until the NHL trade deadline passes on Friday, March 3rd at 3.01. What direction would you take the Leafs in the coming weeks? Oh, I love being in control of the Toronto Maple Leafs at this time of the year because this is what I would do. I would rewind the tape and use the Colorado Avalanche's game plan at the trade deadline last year. What did they acquire? They acquired an impact left winger, a bottom six forward, and an impact defenseman. And when I say impact defenseman, it wasn't a top-pairing defenseman. It was a guy that could fit somewhere in your top four, top six. Those names were Arturi Lekkonen, Andrew Cogliano and Josh Manson. 
Look at the blueprint of what those guys did and the impact they had on that championship lineup. I know who I'm playing. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, pull up the whiteboard in the scouting room. Match up the... Put up, put all the lines of the Tampa Bay Lightning and say, how do we match up against this line, this line, this line, this line, and go out and find those same three players that the Colorado Avalanche identified last year and insert them into my lineup so I could get a better result against the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. I guess the difference, Coco. Boom! As Ari Gold would say. Jeez. Man, that was really loud. Please don't do that again. Um, Shut up. As far as Colorado's approach last year versus what Toronto could do, like they, they were, they were. I mean, they actually extended Lekkinen and Manson, and I think and Cogliano too. So they brought back all the all the band that they traded for the deadline. But the the Toronto Maple Leafs, we heard from Kyle Dubas. He's like, I'm not giving up assets for rentals. And I guess at the time for Colorado, those guys were all pending UFAs. So if that's the case, the Leafs' approach will be dramatically different. That's not something they're interested in doing, at least according to what Kyle Dubas has said to the media recently. So I think in in principle i mean i guess in theory that'd be fantastic so but it would also cost you a lot of assets to trade for guys like that what would be the equivalent of the trade market this year manson would be gavrikov no lekkinen would be i don't know not timo meyer that would probably be a little bit rich but well, I'll look I, it's a lot Bar- barbashev would be a great addition. sure barbashev could be could right? be that yeah um I'd have to look at to see who's available. It's still early right now, but find a bottom six guy that could fill that same role as a PK guy, a good face-off guy, a veteran. You can find those guys everywhere. Every team's got one of those guys. And then on the back end, I mean, Luke Shen, Luke Tyler Shen, Myers. I mean, hmm. I don't know. Like, you, you, you got to scour, right? That's what the Colorado Avalanche did last year. They went all in last year. They 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 traded first round picks, second round picks, top prospects. If the Maple Leafs are serious about getting a different result this year, I think they got to do the same. What's next, cheese? AK, you are in control of the Boston Bruins until the same time mentioned in Carlo's scenario. What approach are you taking with the aging yet dominant Bruins in what could be their last kick at the can with this core? Well, geez, I think with the Boston Bruins, they're in a unique position because they've got Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci playing for a combined $3.5 million. That's right. Bergeron and Krejci, $3.5 million. This is a scenario that will never replicate itself again, maybe in NHL history, where Bergeron and Krejci... Like they, like they're both, both, they're both basically retired, right? Krejci's playing the Czech Republic. Bergeron is, you know, I'm gonna come back, maybe waffling a little bit. Both decide to return, so you got to take advantage. You need to strike while the iron is hot. You're on pace for 61 wins, 130 plus points. You push all of your chips in the middle because this could be your last kick at the can. If you think Timo Meyer's the guy that'll make the difference for you, you go out and get him. You can do it, and. Perhaps they will. They have not been one of the names mentioned in the Timo Meyer sweepstakes. But I think if you're talking about a team making moves like Colorado did last year, adding depth in a variety of roles, that's exactly what I would do if I was the Boston Bruins. Maybe not aim as high as Timo Meyer, but I wonder if the Colorado Avalanche created a blueprint of sorts for teams' approaches at the deadline. And maybe Tampa from years past, trading for Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman and David Savard. There's a lot of things you can look back on and reflect upon and look at how much success the teams had with them. And I think Boston Bruins, if I was in charge, she's, that's exactly what I would do. Okay, let's go back to Carlo. Carlo, you are now in the driver's seat as the GM of the Chicago Bears until September 1st, later this year. 
How should Chicago handle the upcoming NFL draft and and a free agency period where they basically have a blank slate and over $100 million to spend? Well, if I'm the GM of the Chicago Bears, I'm, I'm in my office. I'm getting myself a new chair, a comfortable one, because I'm planning to be a very, very busy guy. I like what I saw out of Justin Fields last year. I like the, the the upside that he showed he could be for this team. I have the number one overall pick, and I'm basically saying I'm hiring a secretary, and I'm saying screen all my phone calls. I'm setting up a meeting, a day, where people can come in. This is the Brad Richards approach. You want to sign me? You come into my Newport offices, and you present to me the best offer for me to come sign with you. That's what I'm doing if I'm the Chicago Bears. Come and present me the best offer for the number one pick. Best offer gets the pick, and I start the rebuild of my team. I build around Justin Fields. I go out, maybe acquire DeAndre Hopkins to pair him up with a with a uh, a first class wide receiver that can maybe give Justin Fields a little bit more weapons on offense, so he doesn't have to run the ball all the time and force turnovers. And I'm a big player in the free agent market. I'm saying, guys. Chicago's the place to be next year. You want a team that's got a chance to win the division? Come play with us because we're ready to contend and we're ready to spend. So you'd hire a secretary. You'll bring in Lloyd from Entourage. So you can just scream at him. We already the already gold reference. So Lloyd comes in. Oh, yeah. He'll screen all your calls. Or like in Moneyball when... When uh, Brad Pitt as as Billy Bean is like, all right, put Steve Phillips on the line, put right. Mark Shapiro on the line. <laughs> exactly. One of those two situations. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Chicago. I mean, they hold all the cards. How about the idiot owner of the Indianapolis Colts coming out yesterday and saying, you know, we really like that kid from Alabama. Hey, newsflash, Jim Ursay, you have the number four overall pick. Might not want to tip your hand if you actually yeah. do want to trade up <laughs> with Chicago. The Keep price just went up with shut. Me. Probably. Jim Irsay, because yeah. <laughs> you've got to call yeah, me. You Ryan, want that pick? Okay, Ryan it was three first-round picks. Now it's going to be four first-round picks because yeah. I know how bad you want them. <laughs> exactly. Not the most true to moves from Jim Ursay. Jeez, what's next? This is Control Freak here on First Up. AK, Derek Carr's agent has decided to retire early, and you've been tasked with determining where he goes after nine seasons with the Raiders. What team are you instructing Carr to sign with, and who do you think you'll be getting some calls from? I think I would lean towards the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Derek Carr, and here's why. Look at that division. <laughs> yeah. like Derek Carr, I don't and think look at that offense. Well, no, I mean, yeah, they have a lot of the same pieces in place, and you'll keep Evans and Godwin and Leonard Fournette's there, Rashad White's there, and you're in that horrible division where, I mean, I don't know how much worse Derek Carr will be than Tom Brady was last year. It's not going to be a significant drop. He won't. He's not maybe not as good, but close. And yeah, that's exactly where I'd, I would want to land if I was Derek Carr. Maybe you could make the same argument for New Orleans too, where you know same division, and maybe maybe the weapons aren't quite as good. You probably have a little bit better of a defense. But it's definitely New Orleans or Tampa Bay cheese that I would instruct my client, Derek Carr, to go to. So my question is, how badly did the Vegas Raiders screw this up? Because I I would imagine their intention when they made the decision to bench Derek Carr with two weeks left in the season was to trade him and get an asset for him. Right? And to move on with somebody that would probably give them a better chance to win. Well, just looking at the market, who's out there that's going to give the Vegas Raiders a better chance to win next year? 
And now they were forced to release Derek Carr mm-hmm. and not even get an asset for him. Yeah, I don't know how that all worked because, I mean, you wouldn't think Derek Carr would be this like, overly alluring trade candidate. I mean, there's guys in the market. I mean, is is Derek Carr better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe. Maybe, I mean, pretty yeah. Close. I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. Did they screw this up? Maybe they did. I mean, it's the Raiders, so the answer is likely yes. And <laughs> like, was Josh McDaniels really banking on Tom Brady coming in and playing for maybe, him next year? Maybe it's Brady. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's not that's not a possibility that's eliminated either yet. Or maybe it's Jimmy G who's coming over. So I think they have a number of options, and I think they probably had something in mind when they ultimately benched Carr. Who's a competent quarterback? It's not great, but he's no. competent. He took him to and... the playoffs the year before. He's not no, that yeah. bad. I mean, if they would have drew up a better offensive scheme to use Devontae Adams more in clutch situations, maybe we're talking about a team that would probably be a playoff team. I mean, how many second-half double-digit leads did this team blow this year? 20 fingers pointing out if the Raiders didn't release Derek Carr, his contract would have been guaranteed, I think maybe even like tomorrow. And so, yeah, 40 million. They didn't want to give him 40 million. Like, all right, buddy, we can't but, move you. But <laughs> I think their intention, their intention was to trade him. And he yeah. basically came out and said... I'm not accepting a trade anywhere you trade me because I have a no-trade clause. So I'm just going to screw you now. I'm not going to dictate where you want to send me. I'm going to dictate where I want to go. So you're going to be forced to release me or you're going to be stuck with a dead cap hit. I love the vindictiveness in the National Football League with my man Derek Carr. All right, go ahead, Cheese. we got time for one more. Carlo, the NBA has tasked you with reinvigorating All-Star Weekend after the event has gotten a bit stale over the last decade. How are you incentivizing the biggest stars to perform at the marquee events, and what other changes might you inject to this event? Well, I don't know. Does the NBA really have a problem with their All-Star game? I mean, this is, I mean, they, what they've built is a game that actually a lot of the star players want to be at. No, he, he's talking about All-Star Weekend, like the dunk contest, the, obviously the game everybody plays in. I think he's okay, about well, like how do you incentivize the dunk contest? I money. mean, clearly money. nobody nobody <laughs> wants to be in it. I mean, yeah, if you do money, if you get a little bit more creative with props. and no, maybe, just money. Okay, just money. It's so just maybe, money. I mean, if the prize was $10 million. Geez, task AK to, yeah. to task. But, I mean, that, that's the answer to everything in life, right? I mean, the reason that, like, I don't even know who these a lot of these guys are who are, who are participating in the dunk contest. And, you know, I, I think early 2000s, Vince Carter was showing up. You had Tracy right. McGrady, all the young stars. stars. It's not the case anymore. Yeah. Look, I, I think this question would have been more appropriate for me if you were asking me how to reinvigorate the NHL All-Star Weekend. Cause yes. There's a, <laughs> you have there's some ideas a number of things I can help reinvigorate <laughs> that weekend. And the first thing is eliminate every team being represented. Nobody cares. <laughs> you're not selling the teams in your league. You're selling the players in your league. And so that would be not, uh, on the on my number one agenda, priority number one for that All-Star Weekend. I am kind of excited for the NBA All-Star Weekend. I, I like that weekend. I mean, it's cool to see the three-point contest and the dunk contest. I still like it. I still watch it. And the game itself, I mean, it's not really competitive until maybe the last six minutes of the fourth quarter. And my favorite part, the Elam ending, where they need to get to a certain number of points right. as opposed to the game ending at triple zero. So we'll get to that a little bit later in today's program. Big night in sports. Again, the Raptors played and I mean, big night in the NHL. In addition to that, NBA NHL action. We'll break it all down on the first up scoreboard next.
This is the first up scoreboard on TSN 1050. Let's start with the NBA last night. The Toronto Raptors down at Scotiabank Arena. A 123-113 win led by Jakob Pertle, who scored 30 points, had nine boards and six blocks. An incredible performance from Jakob Pertle. We need a nickname for Jakob Pertle. Texas 1050-50 if you can come up with something. Because, you know, we What's can use where, where is he from? I think Again, he's Austrian. 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 The big Aust- Austrian assassin. Yes. <laughs> that is so lame. In any case, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, 131-125 winners over the Celtics last night, which was an amazing game, most notably because Boston played without Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and Jason Tatum, and still took the Bucks to overtime on the road. I mean, what a performance yeah. uh, from the Boston Celtics. Derek White has been incredible of late. He had 27 and 12 assists for them. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, another huge performance. Phoenix wins uh, 120 to 109. Looks like Kevin Durant is nearing a return, perhaps as early as after the oh, All Star break. Be fun to watch. That eh? is going to be fun to watch. The NHL busy night. There were nine games in the NHL. Let's start with the Chicago Blackhawks. We're in town tonight to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. They lose four nothing to Montreal. The shutout for Jake Allen back 12 17 and 2 your former teammate coco and i mean chicago's going to be in one tonight this is such a layup i haven't looked at the odds on FanDuel, but my guess is the leafs will be what minus 400 against chicago oh, tonight easily and easily no it'll be probably a close game is the way things those, traditionally is this, go is this one of those games where the leafs lay an egg and chicago yeah. comes up with a big upset <laughs> Uh, I mean, Chris, see, see, see if fitting. you can find the number. Would seem yeah, fitting. So, and look, Montreal, like this is a team everyone's saying should tank. You know, all the injuries that they have, they had. They've won three in a row, and they they beat the Edmonton Oilers on the weekend, and now they shut out the the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, Chicago's doing what they're doing. They need to lose games and catch Columbus, but um, Montreal, they they got some young players in there that are that are really making a name for themselves. The Ottawa Senators, big win last night over big the New York Islanders the on the road. Second half of a back-to-back for Ottawa. They're playing their fourth-string goalie, Kevin Mandolezzi, who had a 3.6 GAA and an 850 save percentage in the AHL. So what does he do, Coco? Goes out and makes 46 saves Amazing. in his NHL debut. Beats the Islanders in a shootout and makes me look like a complete buffoon in the process after I called it point night for the Islanders. I'm like, man, DeLezzi's a joke, and he made me eat my words. I, I heard him in the post game. He's like, Karolnik's a moron. Yes, I need is. to stick it to him, yeah. and he's right. He basically gave you the, way. Hey, what are you doing? Don't talk to <laughs> me like that. Yeah. Um, look, Ottawa Senators wins in back-to-back games. Uh, did they win? Sorry, did they win the night before? Uh, yeah, they won in overtime, they, right? They did, yes. Calgary, I believe. Against yeah. Calgary, yeah. So wins in back-to-back games. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. AK, with that win last night in Washington's loss to Carolina, they are seven points out of a playoff spot with three games in hand. Mm. Could the Ottawa Senators be making a late-season push here to make the playoffs? Look, I hope so. But in order to do that, man, they need... Like you talk about a team needing to make a move to inject some life into that into that lineup. If they go out and they acquire a big name defenseman like a Jacob Chikorin or somebody that can help bring more stability to that back end, could the Ottawa Senators make a late season push here? 
Well, see, you're right. They are they are what uh, seven points seven behind points Washington, out. three games in hand. But also Buffalo and Detroit are a point up on them with a game in hand. And then you have Florida. You have the Islanders that they need to pass as well. You can only control what you can control. You Very can't true. control what other teams do. Very true. So, but it's still a long shot to put them. It is. Ottawa can it make is, a run. But I mean, but they've got a lot of talent. They just can't really defend. Tim Stutzla, man, the guy's yeah, on he's, fire he's a, he's right a superstar. now. Uh, Dave Poulin did that game last night for TSN, and I guess Frankie Corrado also. Uh, was part of the studio broadcast with Lindsey Hamilton on that game. So uh, both of them will join us in the next couple of hours. The Blues, 6-2 winners over the Florida Panthers. Winnipeg, a big win in a shootout over Seattle. And how about Boston? 3-2 in overtime. Guess who? David Pasternak, his 39th (laughs) goal of the season. Uh, What a performance from him as we've become accustomed to all year. Tampa, a shocking 4-3 win in shootout over Colorado. Looked like... That game was basically done. Dennis Malkin yeah. scored for Colorado, by the I way. Shout out to him. Um, but that, Tampa was able to storm back and win it in a shootout. A really good performance from Andre Vasilevsky, who made 43 saves in the win. And finally, Pittsburgh winning 3-1 over the Sharks last night. Timo Meyer, his 31st goal for San Jose. Nothing for Eric Carlson. Come on, Carlson. You got to keep the point total churning along here, night after night. So surprise, surprise, we haven't paid much attention to this, but with that win last night by Tampa Bay, guess who's sitting in second place right now in the Atlantic Division, mm-hmm. tied Uh-oh. with the Maple Leafs? Yeah, I think they have the Tampa game in Bay hand Lightning. The Lightning. Yeah, Lightning have a game in hand on the Maple Leafs. So as much as we sat here for the longest time, and look, I don't think the matchup is going to change. It's going to be Toronto versus Tampa in the first round for sure. But now there's an actual race for home ice that is uh, is taking place right now, and it all starts tonight. Leafs and Blackhawks. By the way, Coco, the Leafs are minus five twenty favorites tonight. Jesus, five twenty. What? We'd I don't have think to, I've ever seen a no. hockey line minus 520. Chrissy, why don't you take a look, see if that's the biggest favorite of the season in the National Hockey League. I think and ever. Me, well, I'm, sure been, been, I'm sure there's I don't been. Think I've, I don't, know, I don't ever, think I've but. ever seen a minus 500 or more uh, favorite in a, in a we'll hockey see, game. We'll see what we can find in Chicago and Toronto meeting. Patrick Kane's here. Timo, or not Timo Meyer. Jonathan Taves is here. Jake McCabe's here. Max Domi's here. A lot of guys whose names have been associated with the Maple Leafs ahead of the deadline two and a half weeks from now. That plus Dave Poole in hour number two. We'll be back with more first up after this.